Madison's Alternative, 1067 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm talking to Jay Putty. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Your bio says that you picked up a guitar because of a sports injury. Yeah. So when I was younger, I went to a private Catholic school and I was playing basketball. And long story short, the school bully that had been tormenting me for the entire year basically attacked me and like just shattered my nose and my cheekbones here. After that, you know, I was stuck in the house during summer and kind of like scared to go out. And my mom was like, you got $50. We're going to go to Walmart. You're going to get a toy, whatever you get. Like you have to play with it in the family room because they were worried about me, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I went and I got my first at guitar. Remember those ones from like Walmart, the cheap ones? Yeah. Right next to uh, the Adam Levine electric guitar one. I wanted that one, but that was like 119. So I settled on the 39.95 first at acoustic guitar. Had enough left over to get the, uh, you know, candy bar too. But yeah, that's kind of like how it started. So did you teach yourself how to play? Yeah, uh, not very well. Still teaching myself to this day, but went home that afternoon and started doing the whole like, strum like everybody does it you pick up the guitar and you don't know how to play so you just do that and i started writing songs and once i learned four chords i was like it's over for you guys now so do you write music like do you write down the notes and everything or is it just something that lives in your head i don't really write it down unless you count the fact that my notes app and my voice memos are like full of like random ideas all the time i cannot read like legitimate music to save my life like i can do like chord tabs in kind of the national number system i tried to learn it for a while but i am not that bright uh, i dropped out of school twice so like therefore learning anything and reading and writing uh wouldn't have happened so i would say the most of my knowledge really can kind of come down to the fact that I can tell you what chords I'm playing in the same four chords and just move the capo up and down a little bit to get different sounds. So if you are playing with someone else, how do you tell them what you're doing? Yeah, I, I tell them, buckle up. It's going to be boring. Uh, usually what I do is I, like I said, like the chords written down. Uh, I used to, because some of the first music that I started in when I was growing up was like metal bands and like emo stuff like that. So I used to always think like playing really hard and fast was like, that was the only way you could be a good guitarist. But the more uh, I got older, the the simpler my songs have gotten from like a composition standpoint, because I really get inspired by like how Frank Sinatra's big band would do it, where every single instrument section that was there took one part of it so like in a chord let's say you have three uh notes is usually for the triad the bass will take one the horns will take another and then like the guitar section will take another so that way instead of you being hit by like every single instrument playing something different you're hit by each instrument filling out something differently and feeling a lot bigger so my music from like a guitar standpoint really has gotten more simplified over the years down to like it sounds like a joke but like really truly four chords usually is where i i kind of like to live so i just tell them hey like capo this here's the uh the song and you know do that but luckily i mostly play by myself i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing if it's working it's working right yeah so a show from you, is it primarily acoustic or electric? It would depend. So in Nashville, we have like a, a really great story tradition of songwriters doing something called a writer's round, where you get to kind of like play songs and tell the stories behind them, whether they were cut by a big artist or something like that. And I'll do a lot of those shows to kind of like cut my teeth on the acoustic side, because uh, not only am I like a writer for myself, but I've written some like K-pop number ones as well as like for some bigger country acts as well. So those will be primarily acoustic, but any chance I get to kind of like play full band, I, I love to do. And so 
that would usually consist of like the drums, the bass, guitar, like I'll have a guitar occasionally depending on what it is, but you really can't beat like a great live atmosphere like that. Will we find you on Broadway or are you going to be playing some of the, the more respectable bars? Broadway is pretty primarily just like the cover scene. You won't find me down there because I'm also very cheap. And if I can get a 12 pack of Bud Light for $12 versus buy one bottle for $12, you're not going to find me down there. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest casual fan of country music. So I leave that to the tourists. So you won't find me on Broadway, but you will find me uh, on Main Street, which is like a couple blocks north at Updown, which is an incredible retro arcade bar. Like I'm talking like the old arcade machines, like original Super Mario Brothers. So you'll find me there. You have to come to Madison because we have, it's called Aftershock Classic Arcade and they have all the pinball, they have ski ball, they have all this stuff plus the full bar. They always have drink specials and high score challenges and sometimes they'll have our bands in and they'll play games with listeners and all that stuff. So you have to come to Madison. I've also heard that your breweries are next to none and I am a connoisseur of beer any kind i'm a foodie yeah. i like to travel uh, i like to drink probably a little too much but you know <laughs> wisconsin is the place to go for beer that's oh. that's what i heard and that's what i want yeah do you have plans to tour yes so as of right now like with how everything has kind of been going um i kind of took last year off really for the most part i had uh you know not to have a sob story on it but i i I lost my dad and then I lost uh, my friend, Brendan, who's actually in this necklace here. Uh, My best friend's dad and then my grandma all within the span of about a year. So I really took last year off, but I ended up getting actually the the current song, the best days yet to come is actually about how I was standing over the smoky mountains, trying to disconnect. And I, I swear I felt like my dad was there and he was just telling me like, Hey, Like, you're going to get through this, like, the best days are yet to come. So now I'm kind of gearing up for taking the the rest of this year to say, I just finished up a 12-song album uh, and ready to kind of, like, hit that that road and hit hit the circuit, see what I can do, see some damage. When does the album come out? So not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure we're, we're aiming for a, like, a February or March of 2024. I'm an avid writer, so... I swear I'm always like creating new songs that I'm taking in and taking out and doing that. Like I just came back from Missouri and I think that's where I got this uh, little flu and just did three new songs with a uh, longtime collaborator, Kevin Gates, who did like Never Shout Never and all that. So I'm always constantly working. But as of right now, we're looking at like February, March of 2024. So the stuff that you're working on now, do you still think you might add it to this upcoming album or are you already working on the next album now? I am definitely already working on the next album. I I gave myself a, I was like, okay, here are the 12 songs I want. Like, I feel like this embodies like where I was last year when I was writing most of these songs. So here's what I'm going to do like going forward. Cause now like they always say that what's great about art and what's great about an album of things that people write is that it's a snapshot of your life. And I feel like I'm in a better and different place than I was last year. So as happy as a lot of the songs on the record that will be coming out uh, next year is, there's also a lot of melancholy to it. Whereas now I'm kind of in the place where 
I just want to be happy. And so it's more of a direct reflection of that. It's a lot more of like even some of the the zeitgeist of how like everything's kind of back-ish to normal from uh, the wild times that were uh, 2020, 2021 and all that. So like it's a lot of like adventure because I feel like now we're kind of like rediscovering loves and life. So a lot of those new stuff is going to be more reflective of that than overcoming things how many albums have you released um so i've been releasing music as a solo artist for honestly about 10 years now when i was a lot younger i'm about to turn 30 in february and i released my first record when i was about 19 and that was a pop record i've done a lot of eps in between but what's been great about that is they always say that in your 20s or is when you're really kind of discovering yourself and when you're 30 is when you finally know yourself. And I feel like I'm at the point now where I think I know myself pretty well. So now it's kind of more of the body of work of albums because uh, especially in the space of the music industry now, I believe that the desire for people to want to have like full bodies of beautiful work is there. Like we can always talk about how streaming or this, that, and the other thing has devalued music, but it's just devalued music that is created to be devalued. Whereas there's a lot of incredible artists that write a lot of great records that you just have to listen uh, all the way in the back. I think I see Semper Eternal in the back of your uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's an album that, again, front to back, I can still listen to now and feel very fresh. Like a lot of those metal bands that I grew up with, like a Hawthorne Heights, like it's that same thing. Like it was full of, of reason and substance. And I feel like that's kind of like where the music is heading and that's where I feel like my music is heading is that I feel like the need for something a little more substantial is there. That's exciting because we do hear so often that, well, maybe we'll just release singles from now on. Like maybe that's just the way our audience consumes things, but then you don't get the whole story. You don't get to go on that journey. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite album? Like if you could listen to one front to back all the way through. Um, probably Siren Songs of the Counterculture by Rise Against. Hell yeah. Oh man, that's a classic. Okay. If, if we're going like in like that space like that, I have to say the album that if I had to choose one of those in that style, The Silence in Black and White by Hawthorne Heights. Legitimately that album changed my life to this day, changed my life. Yeah. You said that you're about to turn 30. And I've been telling one of my friends who just turned 30 that my 30s has been my favorite. And I was like, you kind of stop caring. You just start to realize what doesn't matter a little bit more. And I lost my dad when I was 30. So I kind of was forced. Like you become a different person after you lose a parent and you are forced to figure out who you are without them now. So you're really kind of at this like big intersection in your life where you are about to figure out a whole lot of stuff and really come into your own. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's been the biggest journey so far about that. Uh, Again, I'm I'm so sorry. I, no matter what age that you lose a parent, it's because I talked to my best friend Ernesto because him and I had such a similar year uh, last year. Um, you don't really know unless you know. It's it's so hard. And that's kind of like what I've been going through this last year. Obviously, like a lot of trial and tribulations, but so many things that I'm just sitting here going, man, I have to figure out now how to be a human without my dad, who I would call all the time. Like, 
I found voicemails uh, from him about it. I'm just like, damn, like, I know I'm almost 30, but I am a child. Like, I just lost my dad. Like, that's not fair. Like, so many people get to go through life with the blessing of, like, having their dad there. So it's, you You really hit the nail on the head that, like, dude, I'm I'm having to find out how to, like, act like this. And, like, sometimes it feels like a facade. A lot of times it does. But at the end of the day, like, uh, it's a great barometer for, is my dad going to be proud of me with what I'm doing right now? And if the answer is yes, keep doing it. If it's no, then I probably shouldn't. And that's why it's been such a transformative year because every single time, and you can probably attest to this, Miranda, that every time, especially during that first year, you have something really great happen. You're instantly filled with sadness mm-hmm. because you're like, damn, I wish I could show this to my dad. I wish I could tell my dad. I wish I could do this. And it's wild because, you know, even talking about like the, you know, the best days are yet to come. My dad was one of those ones who like, he was an overcomer all through his life. And you wouldn't be able to tell because anytime he walked into the room, he lit it up. When we had his funeral, there was an ice storm in Indiana and there was like probably about like three inches that thick. And the funeral home literally called and like, we might have to cancel the funeral. We don't know if anybody's going to show up. Almost 400 people showed up. Wow. Because they said that knowing my dad, no matter how, how long it was, he was a friend. And so with that song and with what I do now, it's just really about keeping that light and keeping that same kind of energy of like, if I'm going to walk into the room with somebody, I want them to know that like, we're not strangers anymore. Like we're friends. I love that. I think that's beautiful. Uh, Thank you. Sorry. I, I still get very like emotional on it. uh, Especially when I talk to other people who have been through something similar, because again, like there's like a comfort of like you being able to empathize with that idea. Cause like, like I said, like if you know, you know, if you don't, you don't. Yeah. I have another friend who says it's the worst club to be a part of, <laughs> yep. but, but you need the club. It's unfortunate, but that's the way life goes. Yeah. I remember when my, uh, I, I had to drive through the night just randomly the, the night my dad died. And I don't know about you, but my entire family, we survived with, uh, with dark humor. I remember first thing my mom said, it was me and my two older brothers uh, hugging my mom. And she goes, well, I guess father's day just got cheaper. <sighs> Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a lot of that for us too. And my dad passed right before the Super Bowl, so then we had a whole thing. Like, what are we gonna do? Like, same, literally same. Oh my god, that that was wild because he he came down the thirty first because it was uh, my wife, uh, my oldest brother Ryan, and mine were all, all of our birthdays are within like a month or so of each other. Okay. And he died on uh, February 1st. And the Super Bowl was the 13th, which was also my oldest brother's birthday. So we all just said, we're just not going to do anything. We're just going to probably partake in too many of the adult beverages and call it a day. But that that's wild. Yeah. My mom was like, well, maybe we should just have the service on Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm like, he would not want that. <laughs> he would want people to watch the game. He doesn't exactly. want people to cry during the Super Bowl. Exactly. Even though yeah. I'm, assu- I'm assuming who's your team? I'm actually a Vikings fan. I grew up in Minnesota. Okay. I don't I don't hate that. I'm a Cowboys fan. So like I'm used to crying when it comes time for Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. A Cowboys fan from Indiana now living in Nashville. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Southern Indiana, so and we were kind of poor growing up, so we only were able to go to like St. Louis for like weekend trips. Because my mom is like a diehard St. Louis fan. Everything. Blues, Cardinals, Rams, 
And she would always take us to like these matinee games on Saturday and they had something called the kid zone. So uh, the kid zone, you could answer trivia and they, it was really hard trivia, but you could win tickets to go to like a Rams game or a Cardinals game or a Blues game. Well, my mom at a young age made sure that we knew every stat of every Cardinals leader. At, like I'm talking, I could name you batting averages in whip percentage for these players at six years old to the point where we were not allowed to answer the trivia anymore because we just won too much. Uh, so I, I kind of grew up like a St. Louis fan, but after they left, I was without a team. And I became a Cowboys fan because I loved Dak Prescott in college. I loved his story. Uh, I, I love that kind of like underdog leadership. And then he ended up getting drafted by the Cowboys. And I was like, okay, wherever he goes, I go. Okay. I was expecting it to be more of like when they were America's team. Because I remember that from when I was in like middle school, how everybody either wanted to play for the Cowboys or be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Like yeah. <laughs> that's what everybody wanted to do. That, that's usually the story, but it legitimately is because of uh, Dak Prescott. And I've already told everybody, I'm like, dude, I, I'll be a bandwagon. If they ever trade him and he goes to another team, like that will be my number one team. It, it sounds so cliche, but like I have looked up to uh, Dak Prescott, especially with what he's went through with his family now and that kind of resiliency. So like he's a sports hero of mine for sure. And so you kind of stopped playing sports after your injury and you went into music. Do you still participate in any other sports? I medically cannot. I've mm -hmm. had a lot of concussions as well as I have the knees in back of a 70 year old. A couple of years ago, I partially tore my MCL again, mm -hmm. ice skating, because I used to be a great ice skater. Like uh, I used to do hockey, all that kind of stuff. And then after I did that, because me and my best friend, Michael, who was a co-writer on the song, actually, we were ice skating here in Nashville on an outside rink. And he's like, I bet you can't go as fast as you used to. And I did. And I went straight and I kept going this way, but my knee kept going that way. Oh, no. So uh, now, uh, now as, as much sports as I get is I, I love to go to the gym and I love to be active, but I like to pretend that I am the manager of a football team by being in like five or six uh, fantasy football leagues. Okay. <laughs> That's nice. That keeps you safe. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> keeps me sane a little bit. <laughs> okay. My last question is, can you please tell me about your dog? Oh, this little guy. So this is peanut. He's, uh, he's one of three that we have. And then there's Sawyer next to him. And then we have Gigi on her bed right there. Uh, these are my babies. I love them to death. They are all rescues. Uh, Pina is a 13-year-old uh, purebred Chihuahua. Gigi is also like 13, 14. And then Sawyer is a Golden Retriever Australian Shepherd mix. And they are my sun and my moon. And then our cats are just the ground that we walk on. They're perfect. Every year we do a radiothon <coughs> to benefit local animal shelters and rescues. And we just love how so many artists have these pets that ground them or, you know, artistic types can be very emotional and our pets are really the ones that help us balance a little bit, especially when we're on tour or anything like that. So it's always nice to hear about your rescue stories too. Oh, absolutely. They were, uh, what I love about this little guy is he's actually going through it because he has a eye infection right now because he loves to put his face in dirt at least that's what i'm assuming it is but we got him a couple years ago because someone had thrown him against a refrigerator trying to make him not breathe anymore oh wow and so we got him he was just supposed to just be our fosters for a little bit 
but he imprinted on me and I imprinted on him so fast that I was like, he's my dog now. And now he just goes with me everywhere. I'll be like, you know, going to take the, the trash out and I'll just have him right here in my arm. And uh, we have videos of when I would just like walk out to my car to put something out. And he would just cry. I'm talking like the loudest, like someone shot his dog kind of like, arr, arr, arr. and I'm just like, that's my bud. That's my yeah. buddy. Do you have any advice for someone who might consider fostering or adopting from a rescue? Yes, because my wife used to work uh, in like in a shelter, Naturally Humane here. I encourage everyone to, if you're going to adopt, not shop, which is always the best way, please look for the older shelter dogs or the older shelter cats, because some of them may be on their last legs and they deserve to be in a house full of love to spend their last days around people that will love them. Everyone's going to always get the puppy, but I promise you some of these older animals that are there will give you more undying love than you could ever experience from a puppy. And they might live a short life, but you can make those last few days the most incredible. So that's my best advice is always go for the older dogs and older cats and give them as much love as possible. And a lot of times they're already trained. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about puppy pee pads and all that stuff. You get an animal who is just ready to love. Yeah. Like literally they're like, all right, I got all the energy out of it. I might get the zoomies every once in a while, but yo, like let's post up, let's watch uh, Vikings play on Sunday, eat some chicken wings together and like call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. No, Miranda, the honor is all mine. Thank you so much for this. We're going to listen to The Best Days Are Yet to Come by Jay Putty right now on The Resistance. 